where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of love touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship for the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacrament of Holy Communion. We invite your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selections of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us come Sunday. We remember the words of Charles White Wesley, unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combine, and truth and love for all to see. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we join together in our prayer of confession. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, our choir will sing with us the traditional Kyrie, during which we recall that the grace, the pardon, the forgiveness of Almighty God comes to us when least we expect it and prepares us then to understand one another. Let us pray. Beloved, let us be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven us. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 1 through 9. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord, 
that he may have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying responsibly Psalm 63 with the Antiphon.
O oh God, you are my God. I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 9. Glory to you, O Lord. At that very time there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put some manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Parables of the Kingdom 2, 
the latter of random hurt, the former of a second chance. This Lent, we converse with Marilyn Robinson. Each Lent, we have selected an interlocutor for our preaching here, one from the Reformed tradition, a tradition different from, distinct from, the Methodism at the heart of Marsh Chapel. So one year, a Lule, and another Bart, and another Bonhoeffer, and another Edwards, and then Calvin, and a series on themes related to the atonement. This year, Marilyn Robinson, essayist, novelist, Calvinist, perhaps the primary proponent in our time across our land of Calvinism, whose writings and with and through whose writings this land we shall continue to grow and learn and develop in faith and in discipleship. In her writings, she celebrates the joy of village life. She honors the privilege and terror of pastoral ministry. For that alone, I salute her to the end of time. She depicts the beauty of the natural world. She identifies providential grace, and especially she recalls in content and form the power of a parable. Jesus taught in parables. He taught them nothing without a parable. It is bad form to improve on Jesus. We today shall tell our parables too. Listen to the voice of Marilyn Robinson as she celebrates the beauty of dawn across Iowa in the voice of our own Reverend Robin Olson, whom I've asked to offer Robinson's, Robin Olson to offer Robinson's words. I love the prairie. So often I have seen the dawn come and the light flood over the land and everything turn radiant at once. That word good, so profoundly affirmed in my soul that I am amazed I should be allowed to witness such a thing. Huh. There may have been a more wonderful first moment when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. But for all I know to the contrary, they still do sing and shout, and they certainly might well. Here on the prairie, there is nothing to distract attention from the evening and the morning. Nothing on the horizon to abbreviate or to delay. Mountains would seem an impertinence from that point of view. If you are caring people, caring spirit, caring folks all, but are you? Truly, here are two parables. The point of the first, to mark it clearly, is we should not take for granted those closest to us. Some years ago, there lived in a little village a man and a woman of middle class and middle age and middle station. They ran together a mom and pop store and were admired across the village for the way they treated each other. He doted on her opened doors, sent flowers, listened, spoke. They 
ran together a business that thrived largely because they were present everywhere. They lived in the community and went to the PTA and served on the cradle roll and helped with the scout troops. They loved each other. She was attentive in an adventurous sort of way, traveling and cooking and giving and all. The minister in that village would think of them and occasionally anonymously would mention them in premarital counseling saying, I know a couple who and give as an example their way of being. They were so true to one another. When the services for marriage came along and the point of silence following the vow would open, he would bow and offer a prayer, something to the, the effect, let this young couple approximate what they, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, have learned. One winter evening, the phone rang in the parsonage over the phone line came his voice saying to the minister, could you come down, we'd like to have a conversation. He went, sat in the living room, a humble space, drinking tea, eating a cookie, until head bowed, face red, hands clasped, the man asked whether the, whether the minister would mind officiating at a wedding. Well, said the parson, I've done so many, you see me doing them, you're right there getting ready for the communion the next day. Who's the lucky couple? And he was about to go on when he realized that he didn't need a further answer to that. He could see it in their faces. They looked down, they looked up. He was in the presence of those two who wanted to be married. A very simple wedding ensued some days later. Yes, it was a, not an uncommon story. They had arrived at town during a, re a recession in a time of challenge. They'd worked together in aid of the business originally. They lived together. They labored side by side. Pretty soon they fell in love and they were such a natural couple they were greeted on the street as Mr. and Mrs. Smith and well, they fit the part and so they acted the part. But they had decided the time had come. One month nearly to the day from that simple ceremony, the phone rang again in the parsonage and the minister answered, hearing the voice of the gentleman saying, it's all over. My bags are packed. I'm leaving town. You need to come. We need to talk. Down he went through the snowy lanes of that little village. A nice breeze, a nice light snowflake fall, falling upon him. And entered and talked with one in the kitchen and the other in the living room and heard about the same story. Said he, well, you know, all those years I knew she could leave at any point. I mean, it was one day after another on tiptoe. We were ready to be with each other, but there was nothing really tying us. Uh, I tried to do my best. I'd try and think of something special every day. And then we came to the service and we signed the paper and we gave the vows. And well, I, I guess I thought, that's taken care of. And uh, I think I let down a little bit. I, matter of fact, I, I think I might have taken her a little for granted. In the living room, he heard about the same story. Every day was on tiptoe, she said. We were creative, we were tough, we knew. Could end at any point, but things just flowed along. We were so happy together. Lovebirds we were, but then the service came and we signed the paper and we gave the vows and I, I don't know, I, I think I must have just taken him for granted a little bit. Together they sat over tea and a cookie in the living room as the nine o'clock hour chimed and they said, Reverend, what are we going to do? And he rummaged through his memory, no hymn came to mind, 
No teaching came to mind. No prayer from the prayer book came to mind. No verse of Scripture came to mind. But finally he said, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I want you to promise me something. And he turned to the man and he said, Do you promise for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, from this day forward to live together as if you are not married? He said, I do. And he turned to her and said, do you promise from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish and to live as if you are not married? And she said, I do. He put on his coat and hat and went across the snow banks of that little village. And as he trundled home, he realized there was a verse in Scripture for which he had been searching. You remember it. It is from the Apostle to the Gentiles in the seventh chapter and the 25th verse of 1 Corinthians where the Apostle writes, Let those who have wives live as if they have none. Let those who deal with this world live as if they are not dealing with this world. Those who buy and sell as if they have no goods for the form of this world is passing away. I know you're caring, loving people. You have a caring spirit. You really care for one another. But do you? This is a parable about not taking for granted those whom we are closest to. Marilyn Robinson's novels, Home and Gilead, trace the trajectory of pardon through life. The climax of these comes when a figure named Jack asks about forgiveness. Hear the voice of Marilyn Robinson. Just stay a minute, she said. And Jack sat back in his chair and watched her as they all did because she seemed to be mustering herself. Then she looked up at him and said, a person can change. Everything can change. Jack said very gently, why thank you, Mrs. Ames. That's all I wanted to know. There is a saying that to understand is to forgive, but that is an error. You must forgive in order to understand. Until you forgive, you defend yourself against the possibility of understanding. If you forgive, you may indeed still not understand, but you will be ready to understand, and that is the posture of grace. Essayist, novelist, Calvinist Marilyn Robinson teaches us in her writings about the beauty of the natural world, about the joy of village life, about the presence of providential grace, about the terror and wonder of pastoral ministry, and about the power of story, parable, to convey a truth. Today in Luke 13, one of random choice, one of second chance. Our first parable's point, you have already you caring souls. The second, like unto it, carries the following message. Every heart has secret sorrows. A long time ago in the region of the Finger Lakes in western New York State, a beautiful area of long glacially cut valleys filled with water. Lakes like the Sea of Galilee, more than 10, year, 10 miles long. Like the Sea of Galilee, more than a mile wide. Like the Sea of Galilee, surrounded by rolling hills. 
And, and like that region too, often for many years populated by farms larger and smaller. There lived a growing poor young boy whose farm itself was barely managing to survive and whose parents sent him then as a hired hand to a neighboring more prosperous farm asking whether he might work with them in the afternoon. It turned, turned out that the guest and host uh, entities were similar and that they had a son of about the same age. So the young man in his early teens grew up with a new brother and they cleaned the barn together and they did the milking together and in the summer they did the haying together. Then they ate dinner together and when the day was over, the guest, guest host, there are very similar words, would take his leave and go down the hillside of one side of the lake, down the road to the end of the lake, turn, come back up the other side and hike partway up the hill to his own very humble home. Christmas came and the host farmer gave each of them trumpets. The first thing they did was to take their knives and carve their initials into the side of the trumpets. Then they found a teacher in the village who taught them, and come evening, as the days passed, once they had cleaned the barn and done the milking and finished in the hay mow and eaten dinner, the guest would depart and go down the hillside and around the lake and back up, and gradually as they came to know their instruments, they would play a kind of vesper hymn. One would call from the east and the other would respond from the west. Day is dying in the west, heaven is touching earth with rest. Wait and worship while the night sets the evening lamps alight through all the sky. Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thee. Heaven and earth are praising thee, O Lord most high. After a while, in some years, a war came and the son in the more prosperous farm was drafted. He had siblings and off he went, but he did not come home. And his erstwhile spiritual brother saw the rest of his life as an emptiness, a place without the acceptance and friendship and beauty and music he had known. And so he, from year to year, worked as a hired hand moving from one farm to another until he retired. In the winter, he would use unemployment insurance, and when he got to age 62, he relied on Social Security after all those years of backbreaking labor. The minister in that village really didn't like to call on that one solitary individual because he was grumpy, cranky, sour, unhappy. He'd come home, and he's, his wife would say, How was the visit today, once a month? And he'd say, Well, I think he's complaining a little more positively, but it hasn't changed much. Finally, after a year and six months, the minister asked him directly, I guess he was sort of at the end of his rope, was there ever a time in your life when you were happy? And out came the story of labor in early years, of friendship come and gone, of beauty and acceptance and communion at a common table and trumpets and music. As he drove home, the minister thought, it is true, every heart has secret sorrows. The next month, he drove down the valley a little bit later. He had hornswoggled two scouts from the troop to sit in the back of the car, and he brought two trumpets. He took them to the end of the lake, and as sun was setting, he said, 
Give me five minutes, walk the edges of the lake and begin to play. And if you continue to play until I come and get you, you'll have a ride home. Walked up again to sit and to listen and pretty soon, again after many years, that vesper minaret sang out. Now on land and sea descending brings the night its peace profound. Let our vesper hymn be blending with a holy calm around. Jubilate, 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 amen. Let our vesper hymn be blending with the holy calm around. And as the trumpets played, the pastor and his friend talked directly about just how powerful an experience it can be to have one friend in the course of a lifetime, to know the acceptance of another's home, to feel the warmth of communion. And he thought, the minister thought, as he was leaving to collect his assistance, that he just saw the slightest curl of a smile. This is a parable with a point. I know you're caring people. You care. You really do care. But do you? When you attend to somebody who's grumpy, cranky, sour, and unhappy, you just might remember every heart has secret sorrows. This day in the presence of the real presence of the risen Christ in remembrance and thanksgiving, we come to the Lord's table. We listen and learn to those spoken and lived parables about us. And if Marilyn Robinson, our Calvinist interlocutor for Lent 2013, were here, she just might say, Come to the table of remembrance and of presence and of thanksgiving. Greet and so be greeted here by the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lenten grace, of whom we sing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As those who have known betrayal in the active and passive tenses and senses, come for mercy. Join the angelic chorus singing hosannas in the highest, meaning the very height of heaven. Make of this moment a readiness to join lasting banquet, the heavenly banquet of grace, freedom, and love. As Christ offers himself, come to offer yourself to love for God and for neighbor. Come partake. Come and receive with grace the Lenten grace.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. Please be seated. We greet you once again here in the Nave of Marsh Chapel this morning, and we would invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew to pass that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We would note that following the service today, there is an opportunity for fellowship at our potluck lunch in the Marsh Room downstairs, and then further opportunity for fellowship at the Hymn Sing in Lynn, Massachusetts later this afternoon. More information about that is available in the insert in your bulletin. Also inserted in your bulletin is information about ordering lilies for Easter. We would ask you to get that in uh, as soon as possible, but at the very latest by Sunday the 17th. We do note that spring break begins next Saturday, but we at Marsh Chapel, as always, are here on Sunday, both Sunday mornings of the break, and hope you will be here as you are able. We hope you will meditate during the offertory on the singing of Benjamin Britten's Jubilate Deo by the Marsh Chapel Choir and the Thurman Choir. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
for the joy among us, the work before us, the life invigorating us, the love that surrounds us, we give these th thanks. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. <laughs> Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection. You gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Spirit upon us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory.
us join together in our prayer of thanksgiving. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. good friends all, we have been fed this Lord's day. In voice and in body, we have been fed. We remember today as a community at Boston University the family of Anthony Barkland, and we remember him. We grieve with them, and we keep them in mind and prayer. Following the postlude today, I encourage you, if you are so moved, this is a may, not a must, a could, not a should. Greet the person nearest you in the pew whom you least know and come to know them at least this morning by name. The benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen.